Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be with you all this morning. What a big week we have ahead of us. This morning we're continuing our Advent series. In fact, this is the last week of our Advent series before the carol services next week. Shall we pray before we do that? God, thank you that we can celebrate the coming of Jesus over Christmas time. Thank you for this time of preparation for his coming. And God, I just pray that as we uh, look together more about this, God, that we will encounter you and be shaped by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, we are continuing our Advent series this morning. And throughout this series, we've been looking at the aspects of our Christmas celebrations, how they are shaped by the person of Jesus and the nativity story, but also looking at what it looks like for us to be shaped by the person of Jesus as we approach these elements, these celebrations of Christmas. So far, we've looked at two weeks ago, Simon looked at decorating our hearts as we decorate our homes. I'm hoping most people have decorated their homes by now. Hands up if you haven't decorate. Oh my life, so many. Okay. Uh, is that, hands up if that's because you're not going to. Oh, wow. Okay. Fine, 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 fine. And then last week we looked at um, something else. We looked at the gift Giving, what it looks like to give presents in a joyful, meaningful and selfless way. And this week we're going to be looking at another part of our Christmas celebrations. Something else we tend to do around Christmas time. And that is gathering together. We're going to be looking at gathering together. One of the best parts of Christmas celebrations for so many of us is the gathering that takes place around Christmas time. Maybe it's hanging out with people we love and don't get to see that often or, or seeing a family member or even coming together on Christmas morning to celebrate Christmas together at church. For me, the gathering together is the best part of Christmas. It's the aspect of Christmas that I personally look forward to the most every single year. You can take away the Christmas lights and I will still feel excited for Christmas. You can take away the presents and my excitement would not lessen. My bank account would just be healthier. (laughs) But you take away the gathering and my excitement for the Christmas celebrations dramatically decreases. And in fact, many of us felt the reality of that a couple of years ago, didn't we? In that weird time. Do you remember that weird time of lockdowns and tiered lockdowns, depending on location? And it was just three Christmases ago, believe it or not, three Christmases ago, 
where in this, if you lived in this country at the time, in December 2020, we had a bit of a roller coaster time at Christmas. And for Em and I, it was our first year married. We were living in a lovely little flat in Tankerton. And because of the previous lockdowns, we hadn't really seen our family much at all since getting married in our 30-person wedding in August. And with both mine and Emma's family living over 150 miles away, it was really difficult to ever get an opportunity to see them in person. But we had hope. We were told by one of those exciting broadcasts run from Downing Street that there would be a few days where we can extend our bubble. I mean, even using this language makes me feel a bit sick. A few days where apparently COVID no longer existed. And um, it was really exciting. So many of us were starting to plan our Christmas outside of our bubble. Planning to see people, to see family. And getting excited about what it might look like to finally be with others again. And to do that at Christmas time. Wow, how exciting this was going to be. And then one day before our carol service, it was announced the whole country was back in a full lockdown. And I remember everyone being absolutely gutted. We came to a socially distanced carol service here. And I've never been in a church that has been so sombre and lifeless Keely cried as Mark and I sung, have yourself a merry little Christmas. With the lyrics, through the years, we all will be together if the fates allow. I mean, it it really did feel like we were taking the mick. We felt deflated. We felt let down. Christmas felt cancelled. And now, obviously, Christmas wasn't cancelled, Jesus' birth still happened a couple of thousand years prior to that moment. And there was still as much reason to celebrate his birth than there was the year before. But the reality of it was that the celebrations felt stale. They felt tinted in sadness for Emma and I as the two of us in our first Christmas married together sat having a kind of Christmas dinner at the table together on our own. And part of the reason why it felt so stale, why it felt so sad, was because gathering together is such a tradition of Christmas. It's kind of what is done throughout this country. People come together to celebrate. One of my favourite moments in the Christmas period each year is the five minutes before I arrive at my parents' house, right at the end of a long drive to go see them. And I blast out in the car the song, Driving Home for Christmas. (laughs) What an amazing feeling. I I wait until we're five minutes away so I don't get a little bit agitated further on, wanting to put it on again and again and again. But five minutes until we arrive, blasting out, driving home for Christmas. 
And even now, with my parents living in the city of Bath, where I've never lived, and with me being married and settled in Whitstable, even then, when we gather in Bath at my parents' house at Christmas, it feels like home because we are together. Christmas is synonymous with gathering. People from all over traveling together to gather around a table. And when we read the story of the birth of Jesus in the Bible, we see something similar happening. People from all over traveling to gather around a cradle. The shepherds, the wise men, though, a bit later on, Mary and Joseph. If anyone has those nativity scene sets at their house that goes up around this time of year, it gives this picture, doesn't it, of the mix of people gathering together around a cradle. You have all of the people involved, all of the animals involved, even though they weren't there at the same time. It's nice to just put up and make it look like they were. And they gather around this cradle and we see this nice little set, the mix of backgrounds, the animals gathering gathering around, eyes on baby Jesus in the cradle. And whenever I see that, I always think to myself, I'd love to press play on that still image. From the stillness and the calm of the picture that we see in front of us, as we press play would come chaos, crying, possible language barriers, conversation, postpartum uh, recovering mother, tense moments, a baby learning to feed, shepherds overstaying their welcome and Mary giving Joseph the eyes to say, are you going to get rid of them now? (laughs) The nativity scene would have not been this still image that we see on the sides at our homes, not this image of cuteness or calm, of bliss of the holy moment. Instead, it would have reflected life. This moment would have reflected the life that takes place when people gather together. People who have emotions, people who have physicality, people that get tired. It was a very human moment. A human moment of gathering together as they look at baby Jesus in the cradle. A moment involving real people with real lives. And because of this, I wonder if the nativity scene looked a lot more like the chaos of our Christmas celebrations than the calm, quiet nativity scene that we have put up. On our, in our house. Real people with personalities, difficulties, emotions, gathering together to see baby Jesus. And I'm confident that God is so pleased that our Christmas celebrations involve 
gathering together around the table, playing games, eating food, spending time with one another. Because being together in this way reflects God's heart for humanity, for us. To be in community with one another, to enjoy life together, to enjoy the company of creation, the company of each other. And there's something about our Christmas celebrations that gives us a glimpse of what we were created for and what Jesus came to restore. We were created to be in community. We were created to be in community with one another. And we see it straight away from the creation story. Genesis 1:26 says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So we read from the start that God talks about himself as plural, our image, our likeness. The first time in the Bible where we hear God speak about himself as as plural. And it's one of the biggest influences, this passage, in scholars talking about God as a trinity. God as three in one, Father, Son, Spirit, three individuals, one Godhead. So God himself is inherently communal. He loved before creation and was in community before creation. And then it says that we are created in the image of this God. We are created in the image of this communal God. And therefore we must be communal beings, inherently communal beings. We were created to be in community. We were created for community with one another. And we also see this in the way that Jesus lived. Jesus lived a life full of meals with people, of gatherings, of community. There are 14 times in the Gospels where we read of Jesus having a meal with someone, and that's not including the Passovers or the Jewish feasts. 14 times in the Gospels where Jesus sits down and has a meal with someone. He built relationships with people around the dinner table. And part of the rhythm of life that he calls the disciples to was to do this. To have community with people around the table. And Jesus uses this gathering. This idea of gathering around the table as an excuse to build community, to build friendship, to invest in people around him. We see quite clearly the intentions of Jesus around the table by the way that he interacts with Mary and Martha when he goes round their house. 
Martha trying to get everything prepared and everything right, focused on the food and the hospitality. But Jesus says, Martha, stop worrying about the things that aren't important. Instead, just come. Come and be with me. In other words, I'm here for the company, not for the food. I'm here for the company, not for the food. But we also see this in the way that Jesus gathers the disciples around the dinner table to teach and to inform. Through conversation, Jesus was questioned at the dinner table and Jesus taught at the dinner table and Jesus asked questions at the dinner table. Every Christmas, we gather together. And at the centre of this gathering often is the dinner table. The turkey, the stuffing, the pigs in blankets and the Brussels sprouts. So how can we reflect the person of Jesus as we do this? How can we, as we gather together, reflect the person of Jesus? I want to suggest this morning that the gathering aspect of Christmas gives us an opportunity to build greater relationships, to go deeper, to build deeper roots of community with those that we gather alongside, to mend wounds of the past and to invite the outsider around the table. I think the traditions that we have at Christmas of gathering and gathering around the table gives us an opportunity to do this. And there are three things about the Christmas dinner that gives us this opportunity. And I'm very helpfully going to highlight them using three S's. Firstly, we have the opportunity to slow down. Christmas dinner in my house growing up always took such a long time. And this feeling was perpetuated as a child when I was determined to eat my food and then get to my presents. See, in my house, you didn't open any presents. Well, actually, you didn't open your presents from my parents. I had my presents from Santa in the morning. But I didn't open my presents from my parents until... After dinner. And I was determined during dinner, during the Christmas dinner, to eat all that food as quick as I can. And then I can go on to opening what my parents might have got me. And if it it was a Christmas where we had guests, I would be particularly frustrated. Because if you have guests, you know that this isn't going to be a quick lunch. This isn't going to be quick. So I'd scoff my food down as quickly as possible, staring intently at everyone's plate to make sure that they are keeping up with my pace. How much food is on their plate? Hoping that no more questions would be asked of one another and that the slowest eaters will just eat and not talk. (laughs) Watching each plate seeing the percentage of food left on it. 
Did they not know that they were literally eating into the time that I would have to play with my presence? But being around the dinner table, being around the dinner table in this moment, it's one of those rare occasions where we can take the opportunity to slow down. To slow in a busy, fast-paced life. Enabling us to give time to one another. To engage properly in conversation. To listen intently. And because of this, it allows us to build relationships that go deeper, beyond the surface. That go past the chit-chat about the gossip or the football that goes beyond the easy answers that we can give to how are you, because the reality is I don't know if you have time to hear my answer as I pass through the corridor. And the Christmas dinner, as we gather together, gives us an opportunity to slow down and be people-orientated rather than task-orientated. To approach the table in the same way that Mary approached Jesus coming round rather than Martha's approach. To invest in the time and the people around us. To focus on deepening relationships. And I think this is partly why Jesus used the dinner table as a tool for ministry. Because his ministry was all about people. His ministry was all about building community, building the kingdom rooted in reflecting God on earth through people. Building kingdom rooted in reflecting God on earth through people. I don't know what your situation is this Christmas, whether you are planning on eating Christmas lunch with some friends or family members whether it will feel easy or difficult for you, whether you feel close to those you'll be spending time with or feel like the table may be surrounded by tension. You do have an opportunity, though, this Christmas to, over the dinner table, slow down. To really get to know what is happening in the lives of those around you. To invest in people. To show genuine care. Not ticking a box, but instead seeking intimacy, friendship. And seeking to support those who are joining you at the table. In short, to be people orientated as we approach Christmas dinner. And one of the best ways that we do this is through what we can bring to the table. And the second opportunity that I think that we have when we gather around the table this Christmas is to speak up. And by that, I mean to ask good questions. Over the last few years with my family, I've decided that I want to be better at asking 
deeper questions and having deeper conversations around the table. Being intentional about having these deeper questions. Because it can be so easy, and it is in my family, so easy to play games, to talk about football or what's on TV, to talk about the latest gossip or what's happening in my friends' lives, and to do this without ever really seeking to deepen the relationships that we have with one another, without ever opening up and letting my family know what's really happening in my life. So I decided I was going to be that slightly annoying one in the family, and I am the youngest child, so it's my responsibility anyway. Um, (laughs) So I I decided I was going to be that annoying one and to make sure that within the fun and within the chatter, we would also share our lives, share our dreams, share our faith. And this started a couple of years ago when we were on holiday, where each night around the table, we would have one question that I would ask and we would go around and give a full answer to. Questions like, what do you want to achieve in the next five years? Or what is God saying to you right now? Or even what's the highlight of your year been and why? And now I know as I say this, many of you are cringing over the idea of these forced conversations. And to be honest, I am myself. I was cringing at myself for asking these questions every evening. But I was willing to push past the cringe in order to invest in deeper relationships. And these questions, these conversations, create a culture of honesty and of sharing, but also a culture of support and understanding as we hear more about what is happening in the lives of those around us. Asking questions is a powerful tool for going deeper. And Jesus throughout the Gospels is recorded asking 307 questions. Some questions that can be easily answered and some that don't have a specific answer, but instead are seeking an opinion or a preference. And he seems to ask questions to give dignity to people, to find out their perspective and to challenge. Questions like, who do you say I am? Or do you believe this? Do you love me? And maybe around the dinner table this Christmas, we can choose to build deeper relationships by asking questions that will seek to know one another in a greater way. If we can push past this surface level chat and ask good questions, we will go deeper in community with one another. Because as we ask these questions and find out about what's on the heart of those around us, we are then equipped to support them and to look after them through what is happening. If we don't know, we can't help. And how do these conversations come about if no one is willing to ask the question? 
And as we do this, we can build greater roots of friendship and understanding with those around us. We give ourselves a greater opportunity to get alongside and support our friends and our family, to be Jesus in their lives, to live this kingdom call to community as we live out our created purpose to live relationally with others. As we ask questions, we live out the kingdom call to community. And finally, the Christmas dinner gives us an opportunity to support one another. I said earlier that the gathering aspect of Christmas for me is the most exciting and one of the most important aspects of my Christmas celebrations. And I'm sure lots of you feel the same way as I do. But the reality is not everyone does feel the same way about that. And as I've been talking about gathering this Christmas, you may have been feeling a sense of worry, of anxiety, of dread about what this Christmas is going to look like. Maybe it's because of your health or someone's close to you's health or someone you've lost over the last few years or because of family arguments or tension that you may be feeling around the table. Or for whatever reason, you don't feel excited about gathering. And I hope that if you are feeling that way, that you feel as if you can lean on your church family this Christmas, that you can celebrate Jesus in the midst of these challenges. You can celebrate Jesus in the midst of these difficult gatherings, especially as we come together and gather together on, uh, for our carol services and Christmas Day service. But for those who are not in that position, for those who are excited about the gathering, that don't have those difficulties, we have an opportunity to support and to love, to get alongside those who might struggle this year, this Christmas, to add an extra chair to our dining table on Christmas Day, to help support and listen to others' worries, to show the love of God and the joy of Christmas to those who may struggle for that to be their reality. And really, that's the vision of All Wrapped Up this year. To try to ensure that every family in this area can experience joy this Christmas. A vision that's been bought into by you guys and by the wider community, whether people of faith or not. And it's grounded in a longing to support families in the area by helping them provide presents and a Christmas dinner for their family. Grounded in 
this hope that they will receive joy this Christmas. And it's something so exciting that we all get to be a part of through God's grace. And it's amazing that so many of us are involved in serving or giving or praying for this event. But our support, our love, our grace for the community this Christmas does not stop at All Wrapped Up. As we get involved in All Wrapped Up, we're not just ticking a box. Well, that's my love and support that I'm going to give this year. But it continues. It continues in our homes, in our families, in this church, in our communities. To get alongside the hurting, to feed the hungry, to add a chair at the table for the lonely. 1 John 3, 17 to 18 says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I think that's a really challenging couple of verses to, as we approach Christmas time, to reflect on. What does that look like for me? Do I show genuine love? And by that, I mean in my actions. Do I show genuine love in my actions in supporting those who might have a difficult Christmas this year? This passage tells us that we cannot simply claim to follow Jesus and show no compassion towards those around us. It tells us that following Jesus means following the way of Jesus. A Jesus who shows compassion to the hurting, grace to the sinner, who gives time to the unworthy and A Jesus that came to earth to show love to us. Many of us have heard the phrase that gets banded around Christian circles a lot. That the church is a hospital for the broken, not a museum for the saints. And it's a great phrase. It's catchy. But we need to grab hold of this phrase with the realisation that we are the church. We are not passing on this responsibility of being a hospital for the broken simply by saying a catchy phrase, but instead we are called to live that out. If we want to say that as truth, that the church is a hospital for the broken, then we need to be exactly that. We need to be people that get alongside, that support, that love those that are broken, those that are struggling, those that are going to have a difficult Christmas. Do we reflect that statement? Do I reflect that statement? Do I seek to support and look after the broken in showing love through action?
three things that we can do around our Christmas dinner to push into deeper community this Christmas. To reflect the heart of Jesus around the table in our love and friendship that we show one another. Remembering that as we gather, that Jesus is as present as we gather around the table as he was when they were gathering around his cradle. Jesus is as present with us now as he was when they gathered around his body. Community is very much at the centre of God's heart. And we are given this opportunity through the traditions of Christmas to live out what it looks like to be community at Christmas time. To go deeper in our relationships around the table as we slow down, as we speak up, ask questions, and as we support one another. How can we invest in our relationships this Christmas? How can we build community? How can we lean into slowing, speaking and supporting as we gather with people this Christmas? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.